We'd like to welcome you today. Thank you so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed this series on the mysteries of God, which is really the, the plan of God. And I was just thinking this week how wonderful it is to have God outline and write down his plan. Because, you know, today I notice that people have a lot of questions about what's going on, whether it's the situation around the world in Afghanistan or the situation with fires and flooding. All these are questions that man has about what's really the, the plan of God. Well, listen, we have the Bible, and God's Word is the plan. And so he calls it the mysteries of God because he's showing us the will of God and the plan of God. And we saw that this was really distributed to us in, in 11 different forms. All of them the Scripture identifies as one of the mysteries of God or the surprises of God. He's revealing it as we go through life. And I think nothing could be more important for us to study than these mysteries or plans of God. And we've been concentrating lately on the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, there was a series of 12 parables, all identified as the kingdom of heaven. And so we're, today we're going to be studying the very last one of those. And then we have one more in our study, the restoration of all things, as we complete our studies on the surprises or the mysteries of God. Today is really a, a wonderful story, a special story. It's a parable. And as I mentioned, there's 12 parables that, that the Lord Jesus taught as he was with his disciples that are mentioned as part of the kingdom of heaven. Now, he taught many other parables, and what an interesting study they would all be, but we're concentrating on those that are associated with the kingdom of God. And so this one, the parable of the talents, is in Matthew chapter 25, and, and it's interesting. Let me read to you just a, a few of the verses. It says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made five other talents, and so on and so on. What a great story. Because you see, here's, here's what we know. I think that as we look at this, it's important for us to understand the basic story, and then let's see who the principal characters are. And so when it comes to the basic story, before going on a trip, the master calls his servants and he gives to them each a different amount of money or talents. Now, I'm just gonna be honest with you. One of the things that would happen as they got their talents, I'm sure they would talk to each other and they would compare and say, wow, I got five. And the guy would say, well, I only got two. And you can imagine how mad the guy who only got one talent would be. And isn't that so much like us? We're always comparing. You know what? Sometimes comparing can be a very dangerous thing because for sure it produces jealousy. And in the end, I think it's important to see how God rewards these servants. So the basic story is the man goes on a long journey before he does. He distributes, but he distributes according to his ability. In other words, the master knew the capability, saw how each person, each servant was, was designed, and that's how come he gave them according to their abilities. But it's also interesting because I think, here's to understand the story, the man or the master, I think, is a picture of Jesus Christ. And the long journey, I think, is a period between Christ's absence from the earth. And so in our case, if we're to apply it to, to us today, to the church age, you say, well, he's been gone 2,000 years. That's a long time. Matter of fact, my guess is that some of these servants begin to think, I wonder if the master's ever coming back. Because you know what I see today? I see a lot of people say, I wonder if Jesus is ever coming back. In some of our other broadcasts, we've talked about the fact that there are scoffers in the last day. 
You know what? The scoffers are not just the unsaved. Some of those are believers. Because Jesus has been gone so long, they say, well, maybe God's not going to fulfill his word. Maybe he's not really going to come back. Maybe the rapture of the church is just a figment of the church's hope. No, believe me, God's word is sure. The promise of, of Jesus Christ is, is positive and will be affirmed because he said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And so I take God at his word. So these servants were to give account of their funds. Each one was responsible for the individual's amount. And so, again, let's break this down because here's a lesson that we can learn. The test of their service was not how much they earned, but how hard they worked and, and how hard they tried. I've, I've got to tell you that when I was growing up, this was quite a lesson to me because I lived in a home where I had a very bright sister, I had a very bright brother, and, and I often thought, wow, God, if you would have made me a little smarter, maybe I could have done a lot better in, in succeeding and so on like that. But I look back down and I say, one of the things that God taught me was that it was important to work hard. And you see, sometimes the master knows better than the employee. And all the time, Jesus Christ knows better than we do. And so what's interesting is this. It was how hard they worked, how hard they tried. It was based on faithfulness. And you know, it doesn't matter if those are how the rewards are given. You see, we're always interested in, in result. We, we want to be those that earn five talents more. But no, the Lord said no. It's based on how hard you work. As a teacher, often I see students who have less ability but have learned to work hard. And you know what? Their success is always great, sometimes greater than those that were very sharp, very bright. Because sometimes the, the bright student, he, he relies on just his brightness. He never really learns how to learn. And I think one of the most important things we can teach our children is learn how to learn. Take whatever God has given you whatever brightness he's given to you, whatever talents he's use those for God. Important is how hard they try, because that's part of the idea of faithfulness. First Corinthians chapter four, it speaks to the fact that, that he judges the motive of the heart. And so as we look at this, I'm encouraged because each reward was the same percentage. In other words, the praise that he gave to the man with five talents who earned five was the same as he gave to the man he gave two talents to and they earned two. Same percentage, they doubled it, 100% increase. And each time he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. You see, even in Christian circles, if we're not careful, we can, we can say, wow, look at this preacher, he's, he's so gifted. He's got so many things going for him. He, he's got a huge staff to help him. You know what? God wants us to, to work hard. God wants to, us to work faithful. And God just wants us to use the talents and gifts that he's given to us. I think that's a, a wonderful lesson. But we'll come back to those lessons in a minute. But the third servant really misjudges the master. Matter of fact, when you go there, it says this. The one that received one time, he came and said, Lord, I know thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not uh, uh, spread grain. Well, let me tell you this. He misjudges the master. He said that the master was a hard man. No, no. God is good and God is full of mercy. I, I really think that's a, a misconcept. I think we put God in a very bad light if we, we look at God as only bad. No, God is holy 
and God is just, and God is righteous. You see, it's like the, the student who goes home and he tells his mother or father, I got a bad grade on the test, and I can assure you that that, that student's gonna do one of two things. He's gonna say the teacher's unfair, or he's gonna say, oh, well, everybody else did bad too. Well, listen, God is fair. God is good, God is merciful. Can you imagine a God who would be offended by the sin of mankind and then would still be willing to send his son to leave heaven, take on a, a body of a man, and go to the cross and die for our sins. Wow, what, what a God. He's full of goodness. He's full of mercy. Then the servant, he says, the master, he reaps where he's never sown. That, no, that, that's not true. You know what? God is always faithful. God is always true. God, God has never cheated anybody out of anything. It's wonderful to know that we trust our future in the hands of, to a God that's good and a God that's fair. There have been times, I'm sure, that you have said, wow, you know what, I worked so hard and no one recognized it. Well, relax. God knows how hard you work. You see, it might be mankind who gives you a reward based on, on what they can see, but God sees everything. And God knows everything. God knows our heart. And so this man, he didn't give a true representation of the master. He was filled with fear and contempt for the master. And, and that attitude that he had showed this, that this man had no trust toward God and had no faith in God because he didn't think that God was gonna be fair. You know, I just wanna comment on this because I, I talk to, to people, particularly young people, and when I talk to them about, you know, why don't you accept Christ as your savior? And sometimes they say it in, in maybe a little different words, but they say, I don't know if I can trust God. My friend, you can trust God. God's really the only one you can trust because he will be fair. And so I come to this third servant and I say this, no doubt he was an unbeliever. And the reason I say that is because Hebrews chapter 11 verse six says this, but without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so if you can't trust God, if you don't think that God is fair and God is holy and God is righteous, my friend, you wanna know something? My guess is that you'll never come to Christ because God rewards those who diligently seek him. God rewards those who believe that he is and that he's a fair God. Now, I like the comment that was made by a friend of mine, Bill McDonald. He said he at least should have given his talent to the bank to use and to earn interest. And so in his commentary, and by the way, one of my favorite commentaries, As a matter of fact, it is my favorite commentary. It's on the entire Bible, the Believer's Bible Commentary, and uh, by William McDonald. I know you'll be blessed by it. Matter of fact, I have a copy signed by, by Brother Bill McDonald. I have one in my office, I have one in my home. I use it, if I only take one commentary with me when I travel to a conference, this is the book that I bring. But Bill McDonald says this, if we can't use our possessions for the Lord, we should turn them over to somebody who will use them. You see, this servant didn't trust God enough and blamed God and talked about how mean God was, and, and that wasn't the case at all. The master didn't really have to give him even one talent, let alone two or five. And so while he was mad because by comparison he didn't get as much, he didn't trust God even with the one talent that he had. Well, another statement that sometimes people say is, you lose what you don't use. And that's so true. 
Matter of fact, you know what? I met people who were gifted in music and they didn't use that talent. And you know what? They soon lose that talent. And I met people that have been gifted as speakers and teachers and they don't use that talent and they're going to lose that talent. And even in the world, if you have a bright mind and you don't use it, you know what? Pretty soon you're going to lose those capabilities. It's true in athletics. It's true in academics. And for sure it's true spiritually. So don't be like that third servant. Don't be an unbeliever and, and not believe that God is good and God is merciful. Trust him. Accept Christ as your Savior and use the gifts that he's given to you. He freely gave you those gifts. But this third servant, you know what? His own words condemn him. That he thought his excuses would excuse him as he, as he talked about the untrust for God, for the master. But instead, you look at that and that condemned him. And then here's the other thing. All he had to show for everything that he had was a hole in the ground. He buried the talent in the ground. He dug a hole, he put it in there. Jesus said, you should have at least given it to the bank and got interest. Now, interest isn't very much, but it's better than nothing. And this guy had nothing to show but a hole in the ground. And it reminds me that some people, you know what, in their life, they have nothing to show for their life but a hole in the ground, a cemetery. And that's where they'll be buried. My friend, do you understand? The lesson that Jesus taught was, a, was an incredible lesson, wasn't it? And then I like this idea that the talent was given away to a servant who had five talents. Isn't that interesting? My guess is we might have distributed that talent differently. I would have before I thought about the, the true meaning of this parable. But he said, no, let's give it to the one who has five talents because he was so faithful in, in what he did with the talents that God gave him. Take it away from the one who had only had one, give it to the one that had five because he used it, he worked hard, he was faithful, his faithfulness deserved to be rewarded even more. So here's our lesson. Use your talents no matter how small. It's motive, effort, your heart that matters, not the total amount. You see, we're in a contest sometimes because we want to have more than everybody else. No. What we want to strive for is motive. What's your motive for teaching Sunday school? What's your motive for, for sharing the gospel? Your effort. Have you really given your effort? Because you see, I believe this, that if we give our effort, if we give the, with the proper motive, then God will use us and bless us for whatever he's given us. If it's one talent, that's fine because he only respects one talent reward and one talent amount coming back. What a God, because he'll never misjudge you. Many bosses have, many parents have misjudged their children for the effort they have in school, but God will never misjudge you for your effort, for your heart, for your motive. I think another thing that's important is the third servant was not even a believer. Yeah, I think that he was just someone who professed to believe. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says this, that he was cast out. He was excluded from the kingdom. Look at this picture. Can you imagine him arguing now saying, wait a minute, uh, I, I only had one talent and, and uh, yeah, I didn't use it, but I only had one. And, and he's making all kinds of excuses. He's condemning the master. The fault is his own. You see, his lack of faith in the master showed that he lacked saving faith at all. He had no faith in the master. He failed in every way, and he was excluded from the kingdom. Let me tell you that I think that this parable is similar to the one that we studied on the wheat and the tares. Remember, there was a separation of that which was true and that which was fake. The good fish and the bad fish, the ready and the foolish virgins, they were all moral people. 
but there was a separation. And you see, here's what will take place. I believe that real believers will be separated from professing or false believers. And part of how you can discern that now is how are they using, what's their motive, what's their attitude toward God? Let me ask you this, what's your attitude toward God? Do you look at God and blame him for what's taking place in this world? No, you can't do that. You see, what is taking place, I do believe, is the judgment of God on this world. But that's because we have not honored God. We've taken God out of our schools. We've taken God out of our, our homes. We've taken God out of our, uh, our business practices. No wonder our society, no wonder our world is falling apart. No wonder evil men have found themselves in positions of leadership. You see, that's God judging the lack of mo uh, motive and heart and truthfulness of those of us that know Christ as Savior. You know what, just this week, I talked to a man, and this man was a very moral man. I have no questions about his morality. I think he was a good man. I think he was probably even a family man. But when it came down to it, and we talked about the deity of Christ, is Jesus Christ really God? Then there was no agreement. And as a result of that, even though he was a moral man, even though he was a good man, you know something? He was not a Christian man. That's the difference. And so, again, separating the real believers from false believers, that's what Jesus taught frequently in these parables concerning the kingdom of God. You will not enter the kingdom of God if you're a false professor. Professing doesn't make you a Christian. Having Jesus Christ makes you a true Christian. And then I think it's important for us to, to look at this parable and, and note that there's a difference between this parable and the one of Luke chapter 19. I want to go to Luke chapter 19 just for a moment because sometimes people almost see these parables as the same, but they're, they're quite different in several different ways. Luke's Gospel chapter 19 verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered to them ten pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. And what we find here is that the same amount was given to all the servants, but the rewards, the outcome was very different. Now notice this. You see, in the parable that we looked at in Matthew, the master gave five talents to one and two to one and one to one. The amount of material given to them was different. Here, the master gives all 10 the same. So what is the application? How are they different? Well, first of all, what do we all have that's the same? All 10 of these servants receive one talent. And as I think about this, here's what I have to say. I think that what we all have the same is time. You see, we all have 24 hours in a day. We all have one lifetime. We all have the same. God's given to every one of us 24 hours in a day. How are you using the 24 hours in your day? Is there any time for God? Do we ever read the Word of God? Do we ever pray? Do we ever say anything to anybody else about how wonderful Jesus Christ is? When we come to the, the parable in Matthew, what do we all have different? Well, here's what I would say. We all have gifts that are different, and we have talents that are different. We have circumstances that are different. We have opportunities that are different. You see, it's really completely two different stories, isn't it? Both times it's a master. Both times he leaves for a long time. But both times he gives, makes accountability for what God has given to you. Listen, 
I believe that we're to use both our time and our resources for the glory of God and for the kingdom of heaven. And so as we say that, again, I want to ask you this. Are you ready? Number one, I want to make sure that you're a true professor, a real believer in Jesus Christ. Don't be a pretend one. Don't just be a moral person. I'm glad that you're moral. Don't just be a good person. I'm glad that you're good. Don't just be a church-going person. I'm glad you go to church. But you see, that still doesn't make you a believer in God. It still doesn't make you a possessor of eternal life. It still doesn't make you a follower of Jesus Christ because maybe you've never accepted him. Are you ready? I ask that because, you see, there are some who profess to be Christians and they really are. But I don't know that they're using their time or their gifts for the Lord. And my friend, the master's coming back, and I think he's coming back soon. And he's going to tell us to give account of our time and account of our talents. And what will you tell him? Will you tell him that you knew that he was a harsh God, and so I just buried my talent in the ground? Will you tell him that, well, I wasn't sure how good I could sing or how good I could teach a Sunday school class, and so I didn't teach one at all? Well, I wasn't sure how much difference my few dollars in an offering plate would make, so I, I didn't use it at all. Are you ready? The king, the master, is getting ready to come back, and he's going to judge our lives whether we've been faithful or not, how hard we tried, what our motive was. Did we do it for the glory of God? Or did we spend all of our time talking about the fact that there's people that have more money than us or have more education than us and have more gifts than us and can sing better? My friend, God will be fair when he hands out his rewards. But I also say, are you ready to those that have never received Christ? Because you see, you might be good, but you're not good enough. And you might be moral, but you're not moral enough. There's only one person that was ever good enough, moral enough, sinless and perfect, and that was Jesus Christ. First of all, acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you're short of the standard of God. And when you acknowledge that, that's so important. Next, acknowledge the fact that Jesus Christ is your substitute. He died on the cross for your sins. He made it so that you can trust in him. And by trusting him, that's how you get to the Father. No man comes unto the Father but by me, is what Jesus said. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for you. And then third, accept him. Don't be a professor, but be a possessor. Actually come to know Christ. You say to Jesus Christ, Lord, I, I know I've sinned. I know you died for my sins. I take you as my substitute. I take you to cover my sin by your blood on the cross. What a wonderful God we have that would give us these lessons so that in the coming day when he's going to come back, send his son back for us, we'll be ready for him. Are you ready? If not, you can be so today. Trust him today and use your time, your talents for Jesus today. Thank you for joining our broadcast today. Father, we come to you. And again, we thank you for these parables that really speak to the point. And Father, we have to admit some of us live for ourselves. Father, some of us are, are, are burying our talents in the, in, the, in the earth. Father, help us to be looking for the Lord's return. Father, help us to use everything we have, our time, our resources for your glory. We pray this and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.